0: Welcome to Help from Future Self.
1: Hello, Archons. Welcome to Help from Future Self, the conversational KeyForge podcast by and for KeyForge friends. I'm your host Sydney, and I'm joined this week by Blake. Hello, Blake. How you doing?
0: Hey, Sydney. I'm doing absolutely fantastic. Uh, excited for this episode because I feel that it is a poignant topic during a hiatus.
1: I know, right? Actually, that's mm-hmm. a great point.
0: Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So, why don't you let everyone know what we're going to be discussing this week if they didn't get the <laughs> the hint from the last episode?
1: So today we're going to be talking about the the Keyforge fiction. So the short stories from the Tales from the Crucible, and then the the longer novel, the Cu- Cubit Zirconium. I, I should yep. I should know how to pronounce this because I listened to the Audible version. They're on Audible, by the way. If if you oh. guys didn't know that, it's awesome. Okay. But yeah, so one of the things like I was I was really glad I, I read it a quite a bit ago, like right when it first came out, I think. But I, I reread it for this episode and the cubit zirconium I'm talking about. And mm-hmm. I, I'm really, really glad I did um, because my, my brain like. Kind of mushed the two books together as because there were there were so many they did so many good ways of of keeping the world the same over the course of the short stories and the the main book that like totally. I, I didn't actually separate some of the characters and and rereading it I realized that like one of my favorite characters from the short stories was not actually in the cubic zirconium I thought it was fr- he was from the cubic zirconium it was funny
0: mm-hmm. yeah I mean uh, Aconite books did such a great job of keeping this all together it was just fantastic to have the parallel exist in the way that it did because i i really liked both of them for different way different reasons um should we just get right into it and start having a little spiel yeah so the the tales tales from the crucible is that that the Mm -hmm. getting that right yeah i i honestly haven't read that since we got the kind of early preview Alex and I and got to look at it but I can easily speak on it because there was two stories that have stuck with me like so strongly since reading it which
1: ones I'm excited to hear
0: okay well the very first short story I think is like the perfect introduction to having a sort of literature version of the game with a tale because i felt it really got me like after i read i was like oh my goodness i want to go play Keyforge like right now
1: <laughs> oh totally i couldn't agree more i think yeah
0: and just to give a little insight it's basically like an actual archon battle but you're of the perspective of one character being kind of caught up in this and I'm not gonna say more than that because that's all you need to know to understand. And and no other story that exists in all of the literature is done like that. There's just that one. And I almost wish we could have like a novel that focuses on like an overarching story that follows that and like a journey. Like it was just such a cool vibe for what it feels like to be battling as an archon and you are representing that in the way you make decisions and do things and the cards and the different houses are at your disposal. I just was like, oh my goodness, I'm totally blown away.
1: I almost uh, think it's kind of required reading because of like, there yeah. are like one-off references to to archons and and. The battles that are happening, and the fact that the people in the world have to deal with the fact that that's just going on all the time, yeah. and the fact that like I I don't think I would have grasped it. like I obviously know KeyForge is a game where two people battle, and so it makes sense that the characters are referencing it. But the wonderful way it is narrated in that first story really helps me like get into the mood when it's when it's even just one or two sentences in uh, the Cubic Zirconium.
0: Yeah, totally. It's a, uh, it's, it's a phenomenal way to get the representation of how we play the game in a story form. And, uh, I absolutely love it. It's, it's, uh, I think it might be my favorite. The other one that, that is, uh, on there as the, the other one that stood out for me is the story of the, the, the Brobnar giants and the librarian.
1: Yes. Oh my God. Oh my so, God. That is that so was... good absolutely my favorite the librarian's duel yes. oh my gosh so like i read this before i had a daughter the first time and okay. so i just it didn't it didn't hit home and then like thinking back about these stories for this podcast specifically like it just the lengths he went to to do things for his daughter and it was all within the world of keyforge it was so yeah. cool how like Everything made sense and and the personality of the Brobnars really came out because totally. it's really hard like to write a story that has main characters that are just brutes that yeah. just like – Fight things and want to kill things and and aren't that articulate. Like that's usually not good. Like main character fodder. But it was just so well done in that story. That was absolutely my favorite.
0: Yeah, I, it has all the emotional draw. And like I would say that the Archon one is just like you're like this is cool. Like I'm I'm into this. But that one really got you like emotionally pulled into the story, which I absolutely. Oh, I, I love I I'm going to definitely reread it uh, again. I want to actually reread the whole thing again now that it's like in the future in my keyforge. I guess adventure is deeper down the rabbit hole. But totally. I I just love also the way that they they captured Brobnar cuz we don't have like a lot of dialogue or anything like that for Brobnar that much, but Everything you have from seeing the art and all that, like we have such a strong visual representation of what mm-hmm. Brobnar is, but to have like a literary representation of it that was like completely on par with how my imagination like went with Brobnar was, was just like, it was mind boggling. Like it was so yeah. great.
1: It was kind of cool for me. I kind of, in that story, I felt like they were akin more to pirates and just like, you know, personality, mm-hmm. culture, yep. like even, even their code really felt like, cause uh, the, someone who, who uh, heads a ship, there could be a mutiny and then you have a new captain and yep. then like you all follow that new captain. I just, I think that they, they really gave life to uh, a, I guess a house that I didn't give much credit to in that area before.
0: Yeah, totally. I, I would agree. Was there any other story that stood out that you wanted to so talk about? So I think
1: there there were multiples on here that kind of they they centered around main characters that needed to find something or get something. And and the, the themes were really kind of cool that they they traveled across multiple stories. But my, my mm-hmm. favorite one of those was To Catch a Thief, the one right after right. the librarian. Yeah. And I think it was just kind of cool that there was we, we really just got to see. A, a shadows thief in action, and mm-hmm. and got a little bit more behind the scenes, but also it was just like the whole thing was very thematic and gave into the the world a little bit more too, because all the places that she traveled to have to like get the information she got and then steal the thing that she tried to steal and all that jazz was really just. Yeah. it I felt like I was there.
0: Totally. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. That one was that one was a good one. It gave you that that other part of. I guess things that we kind of have a visual representation of in cards, but you got to really get more details in a literary way, which is Mm -hmm. a nice way to kind of bridge the game with having some literature together, which I I found that was done extremely well in all fronts with this.
1: Yeah. Um, One of the things I I like most about all of these stories is that they really let you feel that Amber is more than just a currency because in, in playing the game, it it really just feels like a a back and forth currency and then you end up like, like I'm air quoting here, but like buying a key when you have six at the beginning of your turn, you know? And so Mm -hmm. in these stories, the, the vast amount of ways that Amber was used and the importance of Amber to the people of this this well the crucible really you felt it with the way that these these characters and this world was written and I think that actually that transitions really well uh into the cubit zirconium because amber was something that was just so important to them and on top of that the whole story was them was around them looking for something that that had a lot of meaning to them that that a lot of people wanted to use in different ways. Yeah. So I, I feel like that could have been Amber, but they did a really good job making it not be Amber.
0: Totally. And yeah, moving over to the Cubit Zirconian, uh, it's, I guess it's the first novel of Keyforge, like a full length novel that was released. Mm-hmm. And, it was presented in like a private investigator sort of duo, which I thought was really well done in the two characters. Like they had, they played off each other really well and they had interesting depth as well. Oh yeah. That I, I was like, especially considering one of them's basically like what a robot or some sort of cyborg.
1: Yeah. As a robot. And then like a gaseous blob.
0: Yeah. But
1: and like the artwork
0: you... is phenomenal. for the <laughs> um, they, like,
1: yeah, Right.
0: I'm a huge Natalie Russo fan to begin with like her art is always my favorite on the cards and so getting a cover by her was just so awesome for this cuz it's it's just it's amazing to look at.
1: Absolutely. And and I mean the the story just simply continued the wonderful job that they did really giving personality to to the whole world because mm-hmm. a lot of like you wouldn't think a gaseous blob and uh, a, a robot would have personality, but no. something like the, the detail that Plims really, really likes dressing well and everywhere yes. Plims goes, there's lots of suits. And like when um, they were putting the badge pin on, when they reached the Star Alliance, they put it through the buttonhole. So, like, they didn't even want to make a hole in their their suit. It was, like, it was really, really well done. And I could feel how important it was to play them how they looked.
0: Yeah, 100%. And then there's also the fact that I loved how there was such a strong Star Alliance aspect to this novel. Because when Tales of the Crucible came out, Star Alliance and Saurian weren't a thing, really. They hadn't been introduced into the game yet. So... Allowing that to be such a cornerstone of what's happening in the story, I thought was a really interesting choice to give some more insight into the Star Alliance, which I think most people love Star Alliance in some form or another. So it's uh, it's uh, given the people what they want, I feel at the same time. Well, at least I'm biased in that regard because I absolutely love Star Alliance. So- I
1: mean... They this just gave it so much more Star Trek vibes. Like every yeah, single totally. time you like you ran into a captain or you walked through one of them like the areas on their their ship slash like what they turned it into and and mm-hmm. all of the ways they interacted with each other, the code, the um the uh training, like it just I I totally was in Star Trek in my mind the whole time.
0: Yeah, it's 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 such a great way that they described everything and allowed you as the reader to kind of get pulled into the crucible and you really got a sense for the multiple like worlds and stuff that exist on the crucible in this where Mm -hmm. where you got a taste for it in the tales because there were short stories but this you were you had a cohesive story where they were literally like you got an idea of the travel time to be suddenly you're in a completely different sector with a world that is being inhabited by these the species or this house type of thing mm-hmm. that you got to experience in a much different way than Tales of the Crucible gave you, and I and I just love that because it it really gave you the scope of what the Crucible represented, and I thought that was so cool.
1: Totally, I I do think though, like as a story, it it really it took a little while to get going for me, simply because Same. I. I like my mysteries like kind of kind of thick, kind of like dense and heavy. I really like like having to use my brain. And uh, okay. um, I, I don't know how spoilery you want to get, but un- until something happened to a specific character that was unexpected, I really felt like everything was going their way, and ev- like they didn't totally. have any challenges. They they were getting away with everything. So like being places they shouldn't be, and uh, getting information out of every single person they asked. And- It was
0: convenient. It was quite yeah, convenient. Exactly.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> y- and you know so I, like, yeah. No, go ahead. Finish your thought. Sorry.
1: I, I was just going to say, so so, like it, it. I'm glad that something happened to that character because that was really the jolt I needed to like get a little mm-hmm. bit more invested in the story itself.
0: Totally. I mean, I think it's great. It's, you know what it has the vibe of is, you know, sometimes there's a TV show you watch and it's just, it's something you watch. It's enjoyable and- you're you're watching you're in it but like you don't feel the draw like like oh my god I have to watch the next episode you know one of those Mm -hmm. shows but but you're into watching it every time you sit down to watch it's that's the vibe it had it didn't have me like hanging on the end of every chapter but I wasn't (laughs) ever like oh I don't know if I want to finish this it was just literally like it, it didn't pull you like so strong but at the same time, it wasn't disappointing either. It was just, it was just a really nice paced story that was, was a fun read. Like that's the best way to describe it. Like honestly, Mm -hmm. summer's kind of around the corner. If you're thinking about like, if you're one of those people like me, I enjoy reading outside in the summertime, but, um, this is a perfect book for that. I think you can just take it outside, read it. And you know, if you're getting a little warm in the sun, you can sometimes pull your attention in a way where (laughs) where it's just nice to have something that you can easily pick up and put down and, and just keep going. Like it's not, it's not too involved but it's also not too simple at the same time. It's it's really yeah. well done and it really feels like keyforge. Like that's the thing. Like it feels like keyforge. Like the the visuals and everything are really easy to pick up on because of that cue we have from the game.
1: Yeah, one of the concepts I was super I was super interested in the fact that they kept reiterating over and over again is that you can't leave the crucible. Like everybody's mm-hmm. stuck there and it was it was an integral part of the plot, but they also just simply kept making note of that. And in my head, I was thinking like interesting ramifications for the game, because if they are making it so obvious that you can't leave, then maybe like in 30 sets from now, like a, a, an OG set will come back, you know, like we we'll never have to lose hope that we're, that right. the sets will, will not come back because like it, they were so adamant by saying like, you just can't leave the crucible once you're on it.
0: Yeah, Totally.
1: I also thought it was kind of funny their like attempt at uh, a calendar and the, and the insinuation that there were multiple types of calendars and the, like Mm -hmm. they had different measuring systems and different counting systems. And, um, even the communication, like the, the fact that they, some, some of the characters, creatures, some of the beings, I guess, like communicated by pheromones all the way up to like noises and sounds and not everything was audible. So I just, they, they really, the, the extensiveness of this world really just, it was the whole reason I kept turning the page.
0: Here's my question for you. When, when that, that was kind of being said, were you kind of like, oh, I wonder what that house will be like trying to imagine like yes, Yeah. That's the same with me.
1: All right. I, I must be super, super dense. Should we know what house Wibble is? Like, I, I, I obviously think that Plims is, is Logos, but Wibble, like, I, I can't. I
0: thought it could be logos as well. That was my thought, just because oh. of the fact that I've like you see some things like they do experiments and things like that, and I was wondering like I feel like I've seen the character something looking similar to that in logos. So that was that was my thought, but it could be something we have no idea about at the same time.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I guess at one point in time, Wibble does what like was able to actually charge Plims like minutely, yeah. and so I feel. But um, one thing that actually bugged me, like. Kind of kind of a lot, but only in, in different points where their their moral code didn't really seem befitting of of seasoned investigators, seasoned yeah. detectives, because mm-hmm. there were there were times where like they, they didn't want to take advantage of people in a situation that that to me didn't even feel like taking advantage of, let alone like wouldn't detectives do everything they could. Like they simply didn't want to ask people things. They didn't want to overhear things. They, they really didn't use their abilities to the fullest. And I, I really, I, that kind of took me out of the book for a little bit. Like it wasn't a, a drawback as much as it was just a
0: question. It mark. was a, yeah. I, I hear you. I, I felt like it felt really unnecessary and it was almost like, I don't know if it was a, a decision by the author to prevent like, like a choice that you could easily just say they're doing this and it would yield the results. And so therefore, but it, it, it didn't really add up either. Like it, it felt a little off in this right. It's like, why does this exist? It was, it was almost frustrating, you know, like, you're like, you're like, why? Like that, this uh-huh. doesn't make sense. Like there's no repercussions for you doing this right. other than like, and, and if like any other faction would do it. If they had exactly. the opportunity, so like, why are you doing this? Like, like, what is the actual reason? Because it's just being a moral code. It, it felt very. I, I guess I needed more of a development to to know the reasoning that existed, maybe to have that code because it was more mm-hmm. just a stated fact like this is our right. code and and so it didn't have any like I wasn't emotionally drawn into that being a thing they respected let's just say that.
1: good point yeah had it been something like we we knew why or the backstory they they did a they made an interesting choice to specifically hide the backstories there was like a throw-off sentence where where I think it was Wibble thinking that like neither Wibble or nor Plims had like ever shared their backstory before and they they never asked each other about it. So they, I think that was kind of like a, well, we're not going to tell you, reader. It was a cop
0: out sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I was, yeah, I didn't like, there was little moments like that where they decide just to not get into it. And I wasn't super keen on that aspect. It's like, I kind of want to know a little bit more. These are two interesting characters that right? we know nothing about. And for the sake of telling, I guess, a story and moving it forward, we're just not going to get some background information, even though this is the first iteration of this, Mm -hmm. uh, these two characters. Uh, It just, I don't know if I want to use the word lazy, but it just was, (laughs) it it was kind of convenient is all.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And then I guess to... To, to wrap up the book, I think they they kind of had, like, a Lord of the Rings number of endings, I feel like. You know yeah. how when you're watching it and you have, like, half an hour left in the movie and you're like, but they literally just threw the ring in the fire. What else could they possibly do for half an hour? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I think that it was it was fun wrapping up literally every single loose end they had. And at the end, the, like, literal like last scene was them getting a new, uh, getting a new job. So I, I have hope. I have hope for totally. the future of Wibble and Plyms.
0: Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes when you have something like this, the very first book sometimes is a little bit more, what's the word? Like it, it doesn't flow the same way as, as when a second or third novel comes out because of the the writer's own familiarity with the character and getting like the boost of like oh this did well sort Mm -hmm. of thing and so there's a little bit more confidence in the writing I feel like sometimes when you have the first book compared to the second Mm -hmm. and hopefully that's the case but by no means it's it's not it's not not worth reading it's absolutely worth reading this because we we said a few things but they're they're very minor parts within it and if Mm -hmm. you you can kind of like it's not going to Distract from the actual enjoyment and the world building and everything else that happens in the novel. They're just just things that made you go like, "Why?" Kind of is all, <laughs> but it didn't it didn't really stop my enjoyment in the end. For sure, the one thing that I did find really interesting about it was that they went after that detective sort of vibe, but it felt like a almost like a black and white detective. You know, but it's set oh. in such futuristic times that it almost like a doesn't matter. Yeah, like it's it's like noir, but it's not dark. Like it's it's very like you know, <laughs> it's like meant for prime time TV sort of thing. Like I don't know, maybe think of like Matlock or something like that. Like that's what Ooh, I was, Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's just like really like like fun and not not oh, yeah. too like serious, but at the same time, like it has its moments. Like it's it's it was great. I I really did enjoy it in the end.
1: I feel like I have to give props to Wibble being like 100 positive. I, mm-hmm. I I personally like I'm I'm Wibble. Like I I can't <laughs> even like I don't see the negative in things until they slap me in the face, and I'm always looking for like curious things. And I think it was just it was super cool. But like that kind of personality as a detective, there was nothing could be dark.
0: Mm-hmm. Totally.
1: So we cannot end an episode of help from future self without our titular segment
0: help, help from, future, from future, self. future self
1: and i have one for us today and it's going to be short and sweet and to the point and that is if you have not already read the cubit zirconium or the tales from the crucible you absolutely should the enjoyment that i got out of these books after having loved the game of keyforge is just immense, but then going back and playing the game of Keyforge after reading these books is also especially enjoyable. The amount of time they throw off insults about Niffles, and then like playing a Niffle on the board, like actually holding the Niffle card, like like thinking about Wibble complaining about Niffles. It's just so. It's just mm, a great totally. part of of what we've been gifted with the game of Keyforge that you should definitely take advantage of.
0: Not only that, we're in a hiatus. So, if, if you're kind of still into the game, but you, if you feel like, anyway, you're waning slightly, like this is a type of thing that's going to help you get a little bit more emotionally invested into the game of Keyforge again and just kind of recharge your battery in a way. And so you can still be a part of the game, maybe, and not playing. And then it may. And by May, it almost 100% will get you into like wanting to try like a thematic deck almost based on what you're reading, which is kind of a really cool vibe that I noticed I got from these. So, so definitely check them out if you haven't yet. And uh, as Sydney said, they're on Audible. You can order them on Amazon, or you can just check out a sample for now on the FFG website, and we'll be sure to put a link in the show notes for that.
1: Cool. So you can find us on Twitter at hffs podcast and you can find me on Discord at scsteel. Blake, where can they find you and what are you up to?
0: You can find me on Discord. It's a uh, Boulevard Blake number sign 3840. That's BLVD Blake number sign 3840. I'm kind of not really doing much on Twitter in terms of conversations. I always say reach out to me on Twitter, but I mean, everyone reaches out to me on discord. So I'm just throwing the <laughs> discord out there and we have our discord as well. Um, I kind of been taking a bit of a hiatus from making YouTube content, uh, just been adjusting to a new schedule, as I've mentioned a few times, but I have some things in the pipe that are going to be new for this upcoming week, since you're hearing this on Monday. So I hope you all will enjoy that.
1: All right. Sounds good. We'll be back next week with another episode of Help from Future Self. Until then, stay fortunate.